today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Elcantan. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. Now, who's doing the action in this sentence? Not us. Peter doesn't say, now you build yourself up into a spiritual house. No, no, no. The actor is implied, but the actor is God. God is the one doing the building. Christ is the one doing the building. This spiritual house that's being built is a word picture for a temple, for the temple. Open God, oh my soul. He is strong and he is strong to save. Open God, he's a rock and you hide in place. He's a mighty fortress. I don't know if you've noticed, but since you've come to Jesus, you still have flaws that need to be worked out. You're a building project that is a work in progress. Today, Pastor Ricky will be teaching on the importance of allowing God to build us up as a spiritual temple to be used for His glory. One of the most important things to understand about this concept is that Jesus Himself is the one that's doing the building, not you. The only thing you can do is cooperate with what God is purposing to do in and through your life. Now, here's Pastor Ricky for part one of his message entitled, Built. As you come to Him, meaning Jesus, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, for it stands in Scripture. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do, but you but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Well, this church building was a dusty lot about 30 years ago. Now, the place that you're sitting right now was literally, actually only about this half of the people, right, were sitting, uh, would have been sitting in the church when it was first built. Uh, we added this later. So this little half of the church um, was a dirt lot that we, our church bought from Radford School down the street about 30 years ago, and it was nothing, right? Can I get an amen? It was dirt, right? It was dusty. And you know how this section of the church was built? Literally with the sweat and tears and nights and weekends of the people that were going to the church and building the church at this time. There was 
absolutely nothing. They took it from dirt lot to foundation to frame to drywall um, across this whole section of the church. They would have folks that were, were doing the kind of physical uh, framing and stuff. And then they had other people coming in behind them, writing scripture verses on the two by fours before we sheetrocked over them. So if you ripped out a bunch of the sheetrock in this half of the building, you'd find verses written inside the walls of the church. This was nothing. And now we sit here in a comfortable room with nice chairs, a nice building. How did we get here? Peter is going to use the metaphor of a building, of being builders to explain the church to us today. And along the way, I'm going to tell you a little bit of the history of our church. Now, I want to pause and say this. This may seem a strange turn for Peter to take. Now remember, the theme of his letter is encouraging these believers who are beginning to feel social pressure, right? We're, we're going to learn later that, that some of them uh, were slaves with terrible masters, and, and Peter has to encourage them. Some of them uh, were, getting, were, getting, uh, were, were suffering various, from various things. Some were sick. Some were uh, succumbing to kind of social pressure. People were pushing on them. Dinner invitations stopped coming for them. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of this letter, Peter's going to pause and talk about the church and its task. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm suffering, when, when things are hard, I'm not super receptive to like someone saying, oh, here's a job for you. I go, well, hang on a minute. Wait a minute. I'm suffering here, right? This is a suffering time. Um, and I'm going to just take the year off, right? Like, I mean, I mean sometimes people receive deep wounds. Uh, there's a hurt. There's a pain, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, whether it's spiritual. And you just feel like, listen, I'm done. I'm done for a while. Maybe some of the folks in this church felt that way. But Peter knows something. He knows that one of the best ways he can encourage people in suffering is to remind you that you have a purpose, that your life has a purpose, that God has a purpose for you that is not frustrated in the middle of suffering, but in fact thrives in the midst of suffering. And so Peter lays out a purpose, a glorious purpose for the church. We're going to walk through several points today, and the first point that Peter makes is simple. We are being built. 1 Peter 2, 4, as you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. So Peter is saying, as you come to him, something is happening to you. As you come to him, and he is a living stone, something happens. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built by God. Now, what does it mean when he says, as you come to him? Well, it kind of has two shades of meaning. The first one is um, the, the decisive kind of coming to him at conversion. Now, this, this phrase has a ton of stuff behind it from what we've just read in the letter. Because what, if you've tracked with the letter so far, what you know is that it is impossible or it would have been impossible for us to come to him. 
in light of what Peter has told us about ourselves. The truth is that we were separated from God, that we followed the futile ways of everybody else in humanity, that we rejected God, that we rebelled against God, and and we were those that rejected Christ. But Christ came to us. Christ was, in the words of the text, chosen and precious to God. God the Father set his love on his son, Jesus. But here's the amazing grace of 1 Peter. As God set his love on Jesus, God now sets his love on us. Peter uses words to describe this. He says, we are the elect, we are the chosen. We are a chosen race in chapter two, verse nine. God has set his love on us to draw us near. And how did this happen? Well, on the cross, humanity once and for all proved our rejection of God. God sent his very own son. And friend, if you or I had been there, we would have done exactly what the original people did. We rejected God. We rejected his authority. We rebelled against him. We crucified his son. But it was through those very actions that Christ, that God, Peter says, ransomed us. That on the cross, Jesus suffered as if he had committed our sins so that if we believe in him, we would not suffer for our own sins. God put Christ in our place so that we could come to him. Friends, the most important issue in our eternal lives is how we respond to Jesus. If you truly understand who Jesus claims to be, there are only two ways to respond, and they're laid out in this text. You either stumble over him and reject him, or you have your life completely changed by him. There's no middle ground, especially in El Paso, in a religious community like this, a lot of people are all right with Jesus, right? A lot of people are like, yeah, he's got some good stuff to say, you know, stuff about the poor or whatever. Um, You know, they forget the parts where he's like, hey, you know, I get to tell you how to uh, live your sexuality out. People don't like that part, but they're like, yeah, well, compassion and love and mercy and stuff like that. I'm down with that Jesus. If we're talking about a guy that sort of goes around doing good, I'm down with that. Friends, there are only two ways to respond to Jesus if you really know who he is. If you understand that he claims to be, and the Bible claims for him to be the very son of God, God incarnate, with all the authority of heaven and earth that laid his life down for you, you have two options. Either you stumble over him because you're trying to get to something beyond Jesus, you're trying to get to something beyond him, and he's in your way, and you stumble over him and reject him, or you encounter him and have your life utterly, utterly changed. Now, the second shade of meaning here is a continual kind of coming to him. So we came to Christ authoritatively, decisively once, but then we continue to come to him in our Christian life. The ESV study Bible, which I highly recommend as a study Bible, says this, as you come to him indicates a daily personal relationship with Christ beginning at, but not limited to, the time of conversion. As believers continue in fellowship with Christ, they are being built up as a spiritual house. The most important issue in your eternal life 
is whether you've come to Jesus, but the most important issue in your Christian life is that you continue coming to Jesus, that you continue coming to Christ in relationship, in fellowship, in, in, in reading the Bible, in praying, in gathering with the saints. And if you do this, Peter says, something will happen to you. You will get swept up into a building project. Now, notice this. Sometimes, I think sometimes we put um, coming to Christ and coming to church in like two different categories, right? It's like, okay, well, I came to Christ or, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian, but I'm not, I'm not so uh, into the church. This has become a huge thing in my generation, right? I hear this a lot from people kind of under 35. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a Christian, but I, I don't really go to church, or I sort of go to church. Or, you know, are you a member of the church? Not really. You know, do you serve in the church? Nah, you know. How often do you go to church? Well, often when it's not football season, right? Like, we have this idea that you can have a relationship with Jesus, but not have a relationship to Jesus' building project. And what Peter says is just blunt. As you come to him, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. He has no category for people that are like, well, I'm going to come to Jesus, but not to his building project. Hear what he says there? Jesus is a living stone. To come to Jesus means coming to a building project. They're inextricably tied. You can't separate them. And friends, our church started because a few people had their lives totally changed by Jesus. And when they did, they began a building project. A few years ago, I sat with some of the longtime members of the church. Um, that these, these are folks that were around during the founding of the church. Um, I remember uh, Chuck Mosley's story in particular of, of growing up kind of religious and even helping at a youth rally and not knowing Jesus and coming home that night in the privacy of his room. God came to him and helped him understand that he didn't know Jesus and he was broken and it changed his life. And story after story like that of God coming to people in this church or people that were former members of this church that have passed on. God coming to them, changing them. And when he changed them, they were swept up into something. See, these people were excited about Jesus, right? Um, we like to joke um, that, that they were super excited about Jesus. They didn't have a ton of theolo theological training. They didn't have a ton of uh, knowledge of church history, but they were super excited about Jesus, right? And, and this is the way that they would describe themselves. And, and you know what happens when you're in that state of being excited about Jesus? You find other people that are excited about Jesus. And you go, listen, I don't have anything in common with you except for this huge thing that happened in my life that we both have in common. So let's start hanging out, Right? And they started hanging out. They started gathering together. They started building one with one another. That's how this church started. As people came to Christ, they came into a building project. We are being built. Second, second point, we are being built by Christ. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. Now, who's doing the action in this sentence? Not us. Peter doesn't say, now you build yourself up into a spiritual house. No, no, no. The actor is implied, but the actor is God. God is the one doing the building. Christ is the one doing the building. This spiritual house that's being built is a word picture for a temple, for the temple. Now, to the congregations that Peter is writing, they would know 
that Jesus told Peter, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So they're gathered in a church congregation. And these are largely Gentile believers from what we know, largely Gentile believers. And Peter is writing to them and saying, you know what? You were being built up as the new temple, which would have been shocking, right? Because the temple was in Jerusalem. It was, it was gorgeous. It was, uh, it, was, it was notable. It was known throughout the ancient world. And Peter's saying, no, 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 no. You now are being built up into a temple. Now, it's important to remember that we are not the ones doing the building. We are cooperating with the builder. Uh, The task of building is not on us to kind of work up something. Instead, Jesus is actively doing this. There's a momentum, there's a trajectory where if you come to Christ, you're being swept up into this and our job is to cooperate with the builder. We cannot encounter Jesus and follow Jesus without being built into the church. Jesus is the one building the church. Jesus is 100% all in with the church. Jesus is not kind of looking down on the church and going, well, I don't know. We'll see if it works out, I guess. Like, I've got plan B and C and stuff in the wings, but, and you know, frankly, it doesn't look great right now. Jesus is not looking down on us like that. Jesus is the one building the church. This is his plan. And that means following Jesus requires following him to build the church. Charles Spurgeon, who's a 18th century pre- or 19th century preacher, says this, um, and I'm going to let him say this instead of me so I don't get in trouble. He says, I know there are some who say, well, I have given myself to the Lord, but I do not intend to give myself to the church. Which is funny because I, you think, we think that's like a modern phenomenon, but Spurgeon, 19th century London, same thing. Here's what he asks. Well, now why not? Well, because I can be a Christian without it. Okay. Are you quite clear about that? You can be as good a Christian by disobedience to your Lord's commands as by being obedient. What is a brick made for? To help build a house. It is of no use for that brick to tell you that it is just as good a brick while it is kicking around on the ground as it would be in a house. No, it is a good-for-nothing brick. So, you Rolling Stone Christians, uh, which I don't think is a reference to, you know what, um, although that would be a great cover band. So, you Rolling Stone Christians, I do not believe that you are answering your purpose. See, the church is not a human invention. The church is God's invention. The church is not something that a bunch of church leaders got together and said, hey, let's do a thing so we can all have jobs and get paid. Now, Jesus builds the church. Now, a couple implications here. First, we, what the church needs most is not attenders, but builders. Uh, Churches sometimes, look, even in my own heart, sometimes I can get overly... um, in touch with how many people are attending a church. But that's not what Jesus is looking for here. Jesus is looking for living stones that will be built on him as the living stone to be a spiritual house. 
Uh, when I was about 19, I learned a little bit about building. And you may think, oh, so you can build a house? No, I built a giant Lego church. I was working at a church with a big singles ministry, and so the singles leader had this idea, we're going to preach on building the church and to kind of like drive it home, because I don't know why, to drive it home, we're going to build a giant church out of Legos that like I'll be preaching on the church and then I'll have like a, a, a thing, you know, a sheet over it and then I'll like reveal it and it'll be like, oh my gosh, it wasn't a great plan, okay? Like, but this was the plan, I'm in the meeting. Um, And I'm the intern, right? And I'm not like a high-ranking intern. I'm like the low-ranking intern. And so it falls to me to spend a week of my life, and I'm not exaggerating, building a church out of Legos. But during the four or five days I spent doing this, in between trips to the Lego store and back, as we did trial and error, um, because we had no plan. I mean, there's no, I don't know if you can believe this, but there's no giant plan for a giant Lego church available on the website, so we're spitballing this thing. We built half of it and go, that's not good. Or it collapses or whatever. So I, did, I had some time to reflect on the nature of small bricks, okay? So here are a few things I, I realized about tiny bricks during those four or five days. You realize that when the brick becomes part of the building project, it doesn't have the option to sort of check things out and then like leave if it gets weird, Right? Like once it's in there, it's kind of locked in there, right? Once it's in, that's pretty much it. The brick can't really keep its options open uh, in case there's like a better building project that comes along. The brick, as soon as it goes in, starts bearing weight, right? It, if you take that thing out, you, there's no way to take it out without damaging your whole wall, which happened a few times because we didn't line up the little black one in the sea of white ones right. And it went, oh no. So we did take the whole thing apart. Now, you also realize this. That brick is being supported by other bricks. By itself, it can't do anything, but with other bricks, it's super powerful. And if there is a problem with one of the bricks, the whole building has a problem. There's no way to get in there and kind of, if you're building it right, there's no way to get in and fix this one brick without tearing the whole thing apart. And I think there's some implications in our lives is they relate to being part of the church. Being a living stone in the spiritual house, in the temple of God's building project is not a distant connection, but is often an uncomfortably close connection. You notice how Legos fit together, right? It's not, there's no personal space. <laughs> Just like, like that. To be part of God's building project means being in proximity, probably tighter proximity than we would often like with other living stones. There is no kind of every man is an island philosophy. I'm a spiritual lone ranger, special forces Christian that have like a utility belt of Bible verses and study Bibles. And I'm like ready to get out there and like take on the world. It doesn't work when you're building. I mean, I don't care how cool of a Lego brick you are, you're lame by yourself, right? Like, 10 square bricks are better than any one single Lego brick. This is not either a, a kind of a come and go as you please, but, but you begin to bear the weight of relationship and of ministry. So here's, a, here's a test for you. If, if you were pulled out of relationship with the church, would you feel it? And would the people around you feel it? Hoping God, oh my soul, he is strong and he is strong to save. Hoping God, he 
First Peter is one of those hard-hitting books in the Bible intended to shake us to the core. In this series, Pastor Ricky will be sharing messages entitled The Counter-Cultural Christian Community and The Time is Short and many more. Each one of these messages will bring insight into specific areas in the Christian life. You've been listening to Better News Radio, the radio ministry of Pastor Ricky Alcanta of Cross of Grace Church in El Paso, Texas. CD copies of today's study are available when you email us at radio at betternewsradio.com. That's radio at betternewsradio.com. Today's message, as originally presented at Cross of Grace Church, can be downloaded from our website at www.betternewsradio.com. If you can't get to your computer to download or place an order, you can always call us at 915-562-7100. We'll be happy to help you. Again, the number to call is 915-562-7100. Perhaps today's message was exactly what you're looking for in a church. If you don't have a home church and you sense God is calling you to walk in obedience to Him by being a part of the body of believers, please join us for worship Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. Community groups of believers also meet throughout the week in many locations around the city for Bible study, fellowship, and prayer. For more information, including driving directions, visit betternewsradio.com. We hope to see you soon. Music heard here on Better News Radio is courtesy of Sovereign Grace Music. Pastor Ricky will continue sharing messages from his series in the book of 1 Peter next time on Better News Radio.